What we're going to be looking at this morning is a man of God who somewhere along the line, something happened to him, his heart has become bitter, and he dies bitter. And that means that there's a work going on to hinder your life as a believer. And if we don't deal with these things as the Scripture teaches us, we can actually continue on through our life and miss out what God has called us to do. Amen? We can, we can actually miss out because the old enemy can get into our heart, and we're going to see that this morning. And there is a tonic, and we're going to close without the end. There is a cure, but before we do that, we have to look at the man. So I'm going to be pulling out some truths about the man. And I pray as I do that, that the Holy Spirit would speak to each of us this morning, that if we would find these similar things in our own hearts, if we would find ourselves acting in certain ways, as we see King Asa acting, that we would not listen to my words, but acknowledge it's the Word of God. And acknowledge that there's a, there's, a, there's a trap that we have possibly fallen into. Amen. Do we get that at the outset? That there is a trap can be set for believers and we can't die in it. But the Lord speaks truth that we may be free and free indeed. Amen. So with that in mind, let us read the Word of God. We're going to read from Second Chronicles chapter 16, starting from verse 7 through. Now if you're taking notes or listening closely with me this morning, verse 7 is where God sends his man to correct King S's foolishness in a bid to bring him to his senses, right? So this is where we're going to start, verse 7. At that time, Hanani the seer came to King Esa, king of Judah, and he said to him, Because you've relied on the king of Aram, and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, did he not deliver them into your hand? For the eyes of the Lord, they range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. For you have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. And there we see, in that moment, King Asa has lost his peace, he's backslidden. And in verse 10, we get King Asa's response to the prophet. Verse 10. King Asa was angry with the seer because of this. And he was so enraged that he put him in prison. And at that same time, King Asa brutally oppressed some of the brethren. Verse 12, we see King Asa's refusal to turn back to the Lord and as a consequence would die in his sin. I want you to really come with me on this this morning. Verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, King Asa was afflicted with the disease in his feet. And though his disease was very severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. And then in the 41st year of his reign, King Esa died. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for King Esa, this mighty Lord man of God who rose up as a young man and turned to you and sought you. And Lord, through him, Lord, a whole nation was transformed. People flooded to the country because there was light there. There was peace there. There was joy in the land. And the Lord was lifted up there. And Father, we, Lord, we thank you that the Scripture tells us that these things in the Old Testament were, were written for, for us at the end of the age for instruction and for warning that we too would not make the same mistakes but learn from them. And Father, as we have spent numerous weeks looking at this great man and we've learned so much from him, Lord, may we also, Lord, learn from his demise. Lord, may we learn from his mistake, 
from his refusal to repent. God, would you, Lord, speak to each of our hearts this morning. Father, we pray for those who might be watching this online at a, at a later time, perhaps backslidden in spirit, Lord, lost their peace and crying out for help, but that, Father, you would speak to your people today in Jesus' name, that, Lord, them old restraints of the enemy, them old snares would be cast off this morning by a simple acknowledgement and prayer of, Lord, repentance and confession. Lord, because that's what the, the tonic is. Lord, there's no sin that, Lord God, that your people can't rise from when, when they turn to you in, in repentance and confession. So, Father, I pray that you would do us good this morning. Father, build us up, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So today, right at the outside uh, church, we are dealing, if you like, with a Christian, just to bring it into our interpretation, application today, that through a, a few bad decisions in his life, he found himself somehow away from the Lord and in a dark place. Let it be said that there's not one of us who is serving and following the Lord at some point in our life has not experienced a backslidden season. We all have and all will. It comes with our flesh. But there appears to be a moment in King S's life where something happened to him. And whatever this was that happened to him, it set him on a path of spiritual and physical darkness and brokenness destruction, if you like. And his life ends up in a mess. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there. His life went from being one of service and of reform to, to, to a complete and utter mess and backslidden state just like that. His life ended up broken in so many levels. Here's the warning. And that may be you today. You could be sitting in this service, and like King Esau, you're known as a, a man, a, a woman of God, but truth be told, you're broken, your heart's sore, and you're backslidden. Not that long ago, perhaps, you were walking with the Lord. Now it's as if you're walking from him. And everything in your life, in your faith, is not as it once was, and it's fallen apart. That's what we're dealing with this morning. But today, like King Esau, you and I get an opportunity to come before the Father and allow him into our hearts once again and trust him and let him begin rebuilding our life again. Because that's the gospel. Let him in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Speaking to the church, he said, if any man let me in. May we each learn from this man. Because here's the thing. King Esa was a man at the end of his life, and whatever this hurt was, he refused to address this heart problem that he had. He refused to return back to God, even though God was speaking to him many times. And he was a man, listen, who died with a saved soul and a bitter heart. That's some testimony. It's nearly a contradiction, but it's in the Scriptures. He died with a saved soul but a bitter heart. Now, it's been said, with every fall comes a divine invitation to rise again. Did you get that? With every fall, have you fallen? With every fall comes a divine invitation from the Lord to rise again. And here's where it all starts. King Esa acted foolishly, and he fell into sin. That was the main problem. The main problem 
or sorry, that wasn't the main problem. The main problem was that King Esther refused the divine invitation to rise again, to come back, to repent. And this stands as a warning to all believers whose hearts aren't right before God this morning. And I want to say to you, don't resist the correction of the Lord. Don't resist it. J.C. Ryle once said this, Men fall in private long before they fall in public. Did you get that? Men and women fall in private long before they fall in public. And whatever happened to King Esau in private, it soon became public when, you remember, in the 36th year, we were told, significant time in his life. At this point in Esau's life, we've looked at that he was down in spirit. Something happened. And at this moment, what happens? The enemy strikes Judah. When you're down, Christian, when there's something in your heart's not right, rest assured the enemy will come flooding your way. Rest assured. Because when you're in the right place with the Lord, he's no chance. Because to the pure, all things is pure. And even though he can put nonsense before you, you see Jesus in it. But when the heart's corrupted, we're easily offended. And the spirit of offense floods our hearts. And we become vicious. We become backslidden. And the enemy takes that to a whole new level. And when the enemy strikes, here's where the whole new level goes wrong for King Esa. For the first time in his life, he forgets God and he looks to a pagan king for help. And it's this moment, and there's these moments in our life, and this is a moment where King Esa should have stopped immediately and turned back to the Lord. And there will be moments in your life where you will know that you should have, at that moment, stopped. But you went on, and, and you went on, but it's never too late. He should have stopped, but he didn't. And what we've already read is God removed his peace from his life. And that's how you will know this morning, Christian, if your heart's in trouble. If Satan's got a hold of it, you've lost your joy and your peace. Because man can annoy you. Man can say things about you. But no man has the power to rob your peace because it's God who gave it to you. Isn't that right? Peace is of God. Yes, men can get into your head and annoy your head. But peace is from God. And if your peace is removed, rest assured, God's trying to speak to you this morning. And what I see now is a man once clothed in righteousness, now clothed in the garments of a backslider, dressed with no joy. He's lost his love for God. He's lost his, his confidence in God. And he's no longer living for God. That's the garments of a backslider. And that's what, what Satan's coffee, I'm calling it this morning, begins to pour over the heart. And it begins to turn it away from the Lord and it turns it bitter. Now, you might ask today, what really happened to King Esau, this mighty man of God? Well, the answer to that is fairly simple. Because at the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And if you're not right with God today, Christian, you may well blame others. But the real problem, and the truth be told, is in your own heart. And we need to hear that stuff. Because I've seen me in a, a bit of a pickle, and I can tell you, I blame some of you. And I suspect that some of you have been a real pickle. You blame me. <laughs> David knows what I'm talking about. And so does he, so do you all. The problem is in your heart, Christian. Please understand that I'm going to prove it to you that it's not me, that it's not your neighbor, that it's not your brethren. I'm going to prove it to you through Scripture, word for word. 
Now, please hear at the outset, if you've got a problem, God has got this message here for you this morning. And please accept it and be free and do mighty things for him. Amen? The real problem's in our own heart. Now, Esther had a spiritual heart problem. He was sick. And I want us to see this. Because here's the thing. Satan's coffee is an unseen spiritual poison that makes a Christian sick. It plays havoc with our heart. Now, I want you to notice the effects of Satan's, uh, Satan's coffee in the life of a believer. This is where our PowerPoint would have been wonderful. Haven't got it. It's the first point is it turns the word of God bitter. Please get that in their heads. So I'm going to bring that out. It turns the word of God bitter in your life. Now look at verse 7 in your Bible. Here we see the Lord sends his word through the prophet, through the seer. And he goes to King Esau and he speaks to him and he challenges, challenges him as I'm speaking to you this morning about his lifestyle choices, about the mistakes that he's made. And what we see in verse 7 is that King Esau does not want to know. There's something seriously wrong in this man's heart. He does not want to know. And here's the thing about God's rebuke. It's designed to bring sinners onto repentance. But listen, Christian, it's also designed to bring restoration in the life of the believer when he or she is spiritually sick. You see, when a believer's heart's right with God, but yet they've fallen in sin, Correction is often hated, but when the, the heart is bitter because Satan's coffee's been poured all over it, the prophet is often despised and the word is ignored, and that person forfeits the blessing of God. I want you to see this now. Look at verse 7, and here's the conviction coming to King Esther. He's not, he relied on the king of, of Syria, remember, a pagan, God, a pagan king, sorry. And the prophet speaks into his sin. He goes, because you have relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord, the army of the king of Aram has escaped. Now, the enemy robbed Esau of greater victories in his life. Rest assured, Christian, the enemy wants to rob you of greater victories in your life. Perhaps there's some of you and you're saved a long time and it's been a while from you've had victories in your life. Is it possible there's a theme is it possible somewhere along the line our lifestyle choices, our hearts have become maybe a little bit harder or bitter? But, but the conviction comes hot and heavy to this man. The enemy has robbed him. God had not finished with him. Regardless of his age, God was still going to use him as he will you and I. Not till our dying breath does God stop using us. And in fact, if we live well enough, even after our death, God still uses us. Our testimony still speak on. That's the power of a godly life. And if only King Esau had a trusted God, he would have defeated Israel and Aram. And Judah, if you like, would have become a world power, a mighty light for the gospel. Christian, it doesn't matter what your age are, is, sorry, but if you live for God and trust him, you will experience greater victories in your life. Now, King Esau became complacent and he started sinning. That's what complacency does, by the way. We stop trying any harder. We stop living for God. We just get complacent. Whatever. God understands. It's fine. That's a complacent heart. It's not the heart you have when you first got saved. I'll tell you that much. It's a complacent heart where all of a sudden it doesn't just matter as much anymore. <clears throat> and what we see is because of this heart, God removed his peace. And here's the thing about the removal of peace. What comes next? Conviction. We see that in our text. Verse 8, 
We're not the Ethiopians, a mighty army with great numbers. He's pointing back to a time when God proved very faithful in his life. A million strong army. Yet, when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. You see, this would have cut to the core of S's soul. Because that's what conviction does. It rebukes us and reminds us. And here's the thing. God's tonic for sin often comes in a bottle called conviction. And like all tonics, one can choose to receive it or leave it. And the prophet says to King Esa in verse 9, here's the, see if you get this verse into your heart. This is the heart of God. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are for him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout Monaghan this morning to strengthen those hearts that need strengthened. To strengthen your heart this morning. That's God's will. Isn't that lovely? Do you see that in the middle of this conviction, there's this cry for, for Esther, you've been foolish. You've turned away from me instead of turning to me. And God's saying, listen, church, Christian, the enemy will put things your way and he'll put things in your head and he'll put people in your life and he'll do everything he can to turn you and destroy you. And right through it all, God will send his man. He says, listen, the God's eyes go to and through the earth. He's in Monaghan this morning. He's in Australia today. He's, his eyes are all over the earth looking for his children to strengthen them because that's what God wants to do. Maybe you've acted foolishly, Christian. Let me say this. We know that God works together in all things. I'll say it again. We know that God works together in all our foolish things for the good of those who love him. He can take our mistakes, turn them into victories. Don't ask me how, he just does it. He's God. And here's the thing, Christian, this morning, if your heart's that wee bit sore this morning, you're a wee bit cold, you've been backslidden, all Esther had to do, and it was a difficult thing to do, was look to God in it all. It sounds easy, but when you're in that place, it's not easy. Because you want to rage. You want to try. Just do it yourself as Esther did. He could have turned things around again if only had he looked to God. And the problem was that Satan's coffee made the word bitter. It was too hard to swallow. And therefore the tonic was unable to heal his hurting heart. Can you swallow what I've just said this morning, Christian? If that's you, and you're backslidden this morning, you know it to be true. You need to turn, listen to the word of God and turn to him. So Satan's coffee, the first point turns God's word bitter. The second point, it turns the believer bitter. Imagine. Look at verse 10 in our Bible this morning. Esther was what? Come on, church. I need you with me this morning. He was what? Have you ever met an angry Christian? Don't, yes, don't answer what I was going to say, but somebody said yes. Listen, we're all angry Christians at times, to be honest. Verse 10, Esther was angry with the seer, with the prophet, because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison. Here we see the next level of a toxic heart when Satan pours his coffee onto it. Anger. His love for God's word had waxed cold, church. I want you to notice what happens here with King Esa. With a bitter heart comes resentment for what? For the prophet. Not only can Esa no longer listen to the prophet, 
He can no longer look at him. He's filled with brokenness and bitterness and anger. So what does he do with him? Verse 10. So he puts him in prison. Here's the thing. Out of sight, out of mind, able to hide from God and correction. Christian, God will not allow you or me to hide from him. We can hide all we like. We can stay at home for three years. We can come and put earplugs in our ears and sit in the church. But God loves you and I too much to leave us to our own devices. Amen? He wants to heal our hearts this morning. He wants to use you this morning. But there's one who wants to destroy you this morning. And we need to wake up and listen to the prophet, not cut him out of our lives. And listen to what God's trying to say. Because here's what a better heart does. It drives people out of your life. Doesn't it? When we're not right, all of a sudden we're lonely. It drives people out of your life. And it doesn't end there. A better heart also drives the presence of God from our life. And we have no times of refreshing. Parting, that's the power of Satan's coffee. It makes the word of God bitter, hard to swallow. It makes a believer angry and hard to help. Hard to help. You can't help an angry Christian. Impossible. Because he's angry. Something about it. I've been there. Perhaps you're there this morning. God's speaking to you. Please don't look at the prophet, the seer, the speaker. Listen to the scriptures. I can't point it any clearer to you. It's in the word. God's speaking to you this morning. He's speaking to you. With a bitter heart comes anger. With anger comes rebellion. With rebellion comes a refusal to be corrected. And the word says that all scripture is breathed by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction, and for training up in godliness. That's what the word does. It takes a believer and it gives him a good shake. He says, come on, Neil, you've acted foolishly. Now let's go. You've acted foolishly. It's time to rise and go. But what we see here is that God is trying to bring this man back to his senses. But he refuses to and he resists, he resists God's chastisement. And the Hebrew, Hebrew says in Hebrews 12 that the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastises every son and daughter whom he receives. It's out of love that God warns us. It's out of love that God works on us to restore us from a backslidden state. But we must each be teachable. And a refusal to put things right in our life will leave us backslidden and far off from God. There's a few things dropped into my spirit as I thought about this coffee of Satan. What could be within its ingredients? You could likely add to it. This is just some of the things I put in it. I didn't put it in it. I didn't make the coffee. But here's some of the ingredients. Holding a grudge, evil talk, anger, unforgiveness, a lack of accountability for our actions, resentment, and pride all make up some ingredients that are in Satan's coffee. Would you agree? I'm sure I've missed out some, but. And the more we drink it, the, the more bitter we become. And, and the word speaks into it. Paul says in Ephesians 4. 31, let all bitterness, speaking to the church in Ephesus, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and evil speaking be put away from you in malice and be ye kind to one another and tender and forgive. So here's the thing, church, if you're taking notes, if unforgiveness and resentment make up the ingredients of Satan's coffee, well, here's the thing, kindness and forgiveness make up the ingredients of God's tonic to heal our hearts. So Satan's coffee turns our 
the, the word bitter. It turns the believer bitter. And here's the last one. It turns our friendship, our fellowship, our friendship with other believers bitter. Look at verse 10 again, please. King Asa was angry with the seer because of these things. He was so enraged, enraged that he put him in prison. The next sentence says, at the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the brethren, some of his people. I want you to notice how bitter King Asa's heart had become here. And this could be speaking right into somebody's heart this morning. He's at war with God's prophets. He's at war with God's word. Now he's at war with God's people, his own brethren. Isn't it marvelous what Satan's coffee can do to the believer's heart? But you know what's more marvelous? How the Holy Spirit takes the word and exposes it all for what it is. Nonsense. Deception and snares. He's at war with God. He's at war with God's people. See, a better heart leads to isolation both from God and isolation from our, our Christian friends and God's people. In S's life, we see a, a slow decline. It's like this. One bad decision led to another bad decision until he found himself with so many bad decisions that he didn't know what a right decision was anymore. He didn't know how to even make them. And he's backslidden and he's cut off from those whom he loved. And God says to King Esther, and he's saying to you this morning, Esther, what a fool you have been. What a fool. Does that apply to you today? Is God saying to you, what a fool you've been doing this? Allowing yourself to act like this. Allowing the enemy in to rob you and to destroy you like this. Esther, what a fool you have been. You've been foolish. And instead of coming to God with it, what you have done like Esther, you have isolated yourself from God's people, God's word, and God's correction. Is that, is that true for you this morning? I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I know I'm speaking to somebody this morning. I haven't had a, a clear word in a long time. God wants to heal, correct, and restore somebody or somebody's this morning. Esther, what a fool. What a fool. For five years he acted like this and he died like that. You don't have to die like that because the Lord came to give life and life to the fullness, Christian. At any moment, King Esther could have repented and turned back to God and be restored. But listen, he resisted God's conviction. I want you to hear this and he carried on in his, his waywardness. And the Bible teaches this to be true. He carried on in his waywardness until the time came where God left him to his own devices. How do I know that to be true? Because he died that way. God left him in his own devices because he never was restored. I believe he was a man of faith and was saved by faith. So I believe he was saved 100%. But I also believe he went to the grave with a bitter, broken heart. I'm going to close with verse 12. Here it gives you a real sum up of how hard our heart can get. It says, Esau was afflicted with a severe disease in his feet. And even, that word even is a big word, even when the things could not have got worse, even 
In his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only the physicians. Now, we've got physicians and people like that in our church. Let me be very clear what the scripture is not saying. Luke's gospel was a doctor, the, the man who wrote Luke. He, he wrote the book of Acts. He was Dr. Luke. He was a physician. These type of physicians are mystics or Egyptians who thought they were hocus-pocus, tea-reading type of people. You see, satanic. So don't misunderstand what we're being told here. Doctors are a gift from God. If you ever had to get your tonsils out, you thank the Lord for anesthetics and the lack of it. In the old days, they used to fill them full of whiskey and cut their legs off. Remember that in the old war films? Thank God for physicians who are trained these are untrained, satanic wannabes. And that's what he turned his life to. That's what he turned his life to. That's what sin does. You'll go to the occult before you go to God. That's it. That's what we see. We'll move on. Sorry. In the verse 13 then, in the, the 41st year of his reign, Esa died. Now, here's some closing thoughts. Esa's, King Esa's death reminds us of our need of Christ. Thank the Lord to keep us and present us holy on that day. You and I cannot make it alone. Actually, we can't make it at all. It's him. He will present you Christian. As he presented Esther, he'll present you perfect on that day. But let us learn from him. Because here's what I see. Even the righteous can act foolishly. Write that down. Even the righteous can act foolishly. And even the righteous can resist God's spirit and die with a bitter heart. But there's a better lesson. And it's this. It's not the act that robs us. See, it's not your foolishness that robs you, Christian. It's the refusal to confess it and put it right. That's the sad thing of this story. All King Esau had to do was turn to God and it's fixed. Isn't that it? God didn't, he's not like you and I. He doesn't want to hold him to account and cut the legs off him for three years. He just turned to me, Esau, Christian. All the Father wants is you to turn your heart to you and he will strengthen you. He will restore you. And that's where King Esau went wrong. He acted foolishly. He made a mess of things. And he failed to confess it and allow God in. He lost his confidence in God. And he took with him to the graves hurt and pain and shame. And here's the thing. Joel and I were going down the road yesterday. And Joel loves old hymns. It's probably me to be fair. And this old hymn came on and it was a whole one. And and the two of us were sort of laughing and, and sort of, I'd asked him, he ever heard it before? And he says he hadn't. And before I looked, looked I was driving and I looked over and there he was singing his wee heart out. It was rough like my singing. Do you know what it was? Oh, when the saints go marching on. Oh, when the saints go marching on. Come on, church. I want to be. In that number, oh, when the saints go marching on. Oh, when the saints go marching on. Oh, when the saints go marching on. I want to be in that number. Oh, when the saints go marching on. Not wonderful? Listen to this verse. And now, little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. Not be ashamed. I'm going to close with this. I admire King Esther 
because he came out of a family of sin and he turned to God and he turned thousands to God by his life. But that man, when the Lord comes back, he's going to be like this. And I'm not boasting that I'm going to be any different, only by the grace of God. But we see this in this man. We can learn from this, can't we? He's very much saved and he will receive his reward, but he is going to be like this. Why did I, why did I not listen to that seer? Why, not, why did I lock up the prophet of God and cut the word out of my life when I could have been received or restored? Christian, you might be looking at me this morning and for some reason you despise me. I don't mind. There's times I despise myself. But listen to what I've spoken through the scriptures. And look to him. Don't allow the enemy to pour any more coffee over your heart. Repent of it this morning. Be cleansed. Be renewed. Let him heal your heart. Amen. Here's the tonic. It's quite simple and we're finished with it. Come home. Is that it, minister? Come home. Jeremiah 3.22 Return you backsliding children and I will heal your backslidings. Is it? Come home. Come home. Did you go to three years college for that? No. The Holy Spirit showed me it like that. Three seconds. Return you black sliding children and I, he says, I, I will restore your backsliding. Hallelujah, church. Oh. Team, maybe come. We're going to just, just come. Let us just maybe in an attitude of prayer let God move in these moments. I feel like I could talk on. I don't want to talk on. I want the, the Spirit of God to talk on this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not even saved and God's speaking to you and all he's saying is, listen, just come home. Turn to me and stop fighting. Stop kicking against the bricks. Stop hiding and cutting me out of your life and come home. But this was, without doubt, a message for the church this morning. And whether you're saved this morning, you're not received, the scripture says this, if we confess our sins, he, the Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come home via our confession. Acts 3 says, repent, turn back so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. Come home and enter into his presence and he will refresh your soul. Job said this, Job 22, 23, if you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. Listen, as you remove iniquity from your household. As you remove iniquity from your household. When we come back to God, there's things that have to go. It's not a cheap gospel. It's the gospel that we can come home but things have to go. The better heart has to go. Resentment has to go. Unforgiveness has to go. You have a problem with your brother, do what the Bible says. Go and speak to him. Try and put it right and restore fellowship. Hatred has to go. Unforgiveness has to go. Listen to what Job says again. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored as you remove iniquity from your household. Things have to go. And with every fall comes a divine invitation to rise again, Christian. And this is your opportunity, divine opportunity, to rise again. Can I just have our eyes closed for one moment, please? And I want to just give an opportunity for you this morning in your own heart. I don't need an outward response because 
I know this is sensitive. And I feel the weight of that this morning for some of you. But if you feel that you need to come home and you need your heart restored because the old enemy's poured his coffee over it, don't despise the prophet. Don't cut the word of God out of your life. Allow him into your life this morning. He promises that he will restore and things will go from your life. So Father, in these moments we just thank you, God, that you love us so much that Lord, you will not let us go, God. But Lord, we can go to the furthest ends of the earth. Lord, we can go to the coldest of fridges and hide there. But Lord, you will turn up. Lord, there's not a place where you will not send your mom. There's not a place where your word will not be will reach your people. Such is your love for your sons and your daughters. Lord, you says when Lord, you're saying in your word when, when when at the end of age, God, you're going to take the, the antichrist, the false prophet and Satan, and Lord, you're going to Lord cast them into that lake of fire that's prepared for them. And Lord, in the meantime, you've, you've exposed his ways. Lord, we're not blind to his schemes, God. Your word teaches us it's a light onto our feet and a lamp onto our path. And Lord, you have shown us clearly this morning how the old enemy can take our lives and play havoc with our hearts. How he can rob us of greater victories. Lord, Lord how he can turn our hearts bitter against you, against your word and your people. Lord, this is powerful stuff. But Lord, we thank you that one touch from the, God, from the Lord, one word from you, God, and the enemy has to flee and his lies with him. And Lord, any man or woman be in Christ, he's a new creation. And Lord, him, Lord, who you've set free, Lord, is free indeed. And I speak that over your people this morning in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name, God. Healing for hearts, Lord. I pray you would take away any hearts of stone this morning, Lord, and, and bring back the hearts of of flesh, God, soften them this morning. Lord, that them times of refreshing would come in Jesus' name. God, you're a gracious God. You're a merciful God. And we thank you that your eye is with us this morning. And Lord, you see our weakened hearts. You see our weakened faith. And Lord, you look to us and wait for us to look to you. And then you will strengthen. So Father, I pray in these moments, Lord, that your people would be healed this morning. Lord, if there's a man or a woman this morning that, Lord, has been hiding away, Lord, broken, Lord, for whatever reason, that, Lord, you would, Lord, wipe away them hurts. Lord, take away, God, the, that which the enemy has set before their eyes and let them see Jesus afresh. Let them see that you're the one that removes our burden. You are the one that, God, sets us free and raises us up again. So, Lord, if there's any of your people, Lord, and they're down this morning in Jesus' name, would you rise them up, Lord God, and restore for your glory? I just pray for that man or woman this morning that's not saved here this morning. This is your opportunity. Esther died broken. He died bitter, but he died saved. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, listen, there's no guarantee you'll be standing here this time next week. And God is speaking to you. And don't reject the prophet or scoff at the word. If God is speaking to you this morning and you're not saved, this is your opportunity to come to faith this morning. Confess your sin and the Lord would save you. And if you would like to be saved this morning, I want to encourage you to come to me straight after the service and speak. But in the meantime, you can pray a prayer with me now. I want to pray. Let us pray together, church. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that the word teaches that you died there for our sins. And that any man who calls on to Christ, confesses his sin, will be saved. 
And Father, I confess this morning that I am a sinner. And I confess that I my need of Christ. And Lord, I invite you into my life that, Lord, you would save me, that you would cleanse me, that I too would have my name written in that Lamb's book of life. Amen.